0: You're listening to The Preaching Podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Take our Bibles this evening to Matthew 27. And as we read the scriptures and standing to our feet, Matthew 27 and verse 26 is where we'll begin. Matthew 27, and starting in verse 26, the Bible says, Then released he Barabbas unto them. When he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the common hall and gathered unto him the whole band of soldiers. And they stripped him and put on him a scarlet robe. When they had plaited a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head and "'A reed in his right hand, and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, "'Hail, King of the Jews!' "'They spit upon him and took the reed and smote him on the head. "'And after they had mocked him, they took the robe off from him and put his own raiment on him "'and led him away to crucify him. "'And as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. "'Him they compelled to bear his cross.' And when they were coming to a place called Golgotha, that is to say a place of a skull, they gave him vinegar to drink, mingled with gall, and when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. Verse 35, And they crucified him and parted his garments, casting lots that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture did they cast lots. Lord, I pray that uh, you would meet with us tonight. I'm thankful to be in church on a Sunday night. And God, help us never take for granted the opportunity we have to serve you, to worship you, to give you all the glory for what you do in our lives. And God, I pray that as we look specifically tonight at the cross, I pray that uh, you would speak to our hearts and uh, help us, Lord, to to be moved and stirred. But not just for emotion's sake, but Lord, I pray that uh, you would uh, motivate us and, and stir in us a passion that we would live for you. Be thankful for this sacrifice that you have so freely given to us. I pray that you'd help me as I speak. May it be your words, and may I step aside of myself that uh, you may be glorified. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Tonight, I have a message entitled, When I Examine the Cross. I love the song we just sang a little bit ago, When I Examine the Wondrous Cross. And when we look at... uh, exactly what Jesus went through, I think, uh, to me, it's, 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 a, it's a common thing, I guess, in human nature for us to be calloused when we're so used to something, and we're so used to talking about Jesus died on the cross, and I, I share with, with our kids, what did Jesus do for us? Jesus died on the cross, and we can just say it so flippantly sometimes without really examining the cross and, and what Jesus went through, and I just want to give you a few thoughts tonight, and as I was preparing this message... Michael was sitting there at the dinner table one night this week, and, and he said, Daddy, could I, could I help you in early church? He thought I was going to preach in early church today. And, and I said, well, I'm preaching in the evening, but uh, sure. Uh, and I kind of knew where he was going with this. And, and uh, Michael said, could I, could I draw a picture for you? I said, sure, you can draw a picture. If y'all remember, a little while back, he drew a a picture of a snake uh, when we were talking about uh, how that snake was put up on a rod for the children of Israel. And uh, so Michael uh, wanted to draw. I said, well, Michael, I'm going to be preaching tonight on the cross. And so he he took a a, a colored pencil out and he went to town and he, uh, it wasn't a colored pencil, looks like a marker to me, Uh, but he, uh, he not just drew one cross, he drew the three crosses on Calvary and and he drew a a little pathway there, and I have a picture so everybody can see it, but um, Michael said, and and Daddy, if if you want to mention who drew it, or something, (laughs) like your son, or Michael, that'd be okay. I said, Michael, I can do that for you. So there you go. Um, that's the picture. You can take that off there. But uh, anyway, he, uh, he wanted to be a part. So that's his part. And I'm very thankful for Michael and for his heart. Um, Grace and I had the privilege in 2017 to visit Calvary and uh, to visit Israel. And um, it, it's one of those trips that you'll never forget. And uh, you want to take as many pictures as you can while you're there because you want to just keep that fresh in your mind. And uh, I, I did take a picture while we were at Golgotha, Calvary there, if, if you want to show that next picture there, uh, Brother Russell. There's a, a picture of what's believed to be the place of Calvary where Jesus died on the cross and, and some think it, it, it was on the hill, some think it might have been at the base of the hill, um, but currently right now it's a public transport uh, parking space of all places, and uh, It's amazing when when we were there, we had a group of us and we sang songs like At Calvary. And to me, that was special, obviously, to be in a place where Jesus gave his life for you and for me. I think of the song, years I spent in vanity and pride. Caring not, my Lord was crucified. Knowing not, it was for me he died on Calvary. By God's word, at last my sin I learned. Then I trembled at the law I'd spurned. Till my guilty soul imploring turn to Calvary. Can you picture singing this at Calvary? Verse number four, uh, or three there. Now I've given to Jesus everything. Now I gladly own him as my king. Now my raptured soul can only sing of Calvary. Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. Oh, the grace that brought it down to man. Oh, the mighty gulf that God did span at Calvary. Mercy, there was great and grace was free. Pardon, there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. I'm thankful for the cross tonight. I'm thankful we can take a service like this and we can have the Lord's Supper and really think through and think about what Jesus did for us on the cross, how he shed his blood. And tonight as we look at the cross and when I examined the cross, I, I found in my study that the word cross was mentioned 28 times in Scripture, specifically the word cross, 28 times, all in the New Testament. Five times in Matthew, and twice it was before the cross. Once was when he was on his way to the cross, and then twice while he was on the cross. We find the same pattern in the Gospel of Mark. I'll just read a few examples for you in Mark 8, 34. Jesus said, And when he had called the people unto him and his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. He then goes on to say the same thing uh, just a few chapters later. In Mark 15 and verse 21, the Bible says they compel one Simon a Cyrenian who passed by coming out of the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to bear his cross. We read about that in our text tonight. Twice while he was on the cross, Mark 15, 30, people passed by and reviled him and they said, save thyself and come down from the cross. In verse 32, let Christ the King of Israel descend now from the cross that we may see and believe. And they that were crucified with him reviled him. We find in the Gospel of Luke three times, twice before the cross, and once on his way to the cross when Simon was called to bear the cross for him. And then in John four times, once on the way to the cross, and three times while on the cross. We find in John chapter 19, and verse 19, the the Bible says, Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross. And the writing was, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. John 19, verse 25, Now there stood by the cross of Jesus' his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. In John 19, 31, The Jews, therefore, because it was the preparation that the body should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day, for that Sabbath day was on, uh, in high day, besought Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. When I look at the words of Jesus while he was on his way to the cross, While he was on the cross, even when he was in conversation with his disciples, I I came up with three conclusions just from these passages alone. Number one, very quickly, Jesus is God. He's the Savior. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords, and he is worth following. Forsaking all else, we find, as Jesus encouraged his disciples to take up our cross and follow him. Despite the shame and the reviling, Jesus, praise God, he stayed on the cross. Because he thought we were worth the sacrifice. And even on the cross, number three, Jesus focused on the needs of others instead of himself. As he looked and he saw his mother there and and he wanted her to be taken care of and as people were reviling him and persecuting him and telling him to come down off the cross, he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. It's amazing that even while he was going through his own torment, Jesus had you and me on his mind. Roman sources attest to the general sequence of events involved in Roman crucifixion, and we won't go into terrible detail tonight, for sake of time mostly. But number one here, the victim was tortured by various means, even before going to the cross. The Bible says in Matthew and Mark that after Pilate had sentenced Jesus to death by crucifixion, he was scourged. And a lot of times we can read that passage, and we can go on by it. But in that one word, scourged, we find most of the torment that Jesus went through. The Roman crucifixion, starting with scourging, according to Roman custom, a Roman flagrum was used to whip the victim for scourging. This was an instrument consisting of strips of leather that was knotted, containing pieces of bone, heavy metal, and other materials. It was specifically designed to tear away the flesh of the victim. And when we read that word, scourged, We can picture Jesus who was led away with that whip as it would tear his flesh. The Bible says in Isaiah 53, would you turn there with me? Let's look at this passage of scripture together. In Isaiah chapter 53 and starting in verse number 5, the Bible says, But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as sheep before his shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living, for the transgression of my people was he stricken." And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief, and when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Next, as Jesus would be uh, led from the scourging, where he endured the, 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 the whipping, and and the torture that that is associated with those kind of wounds, the Bible says that he was led into a common hall called Praetorium. And there the Roman soldiers would strip him of his clothes, and they would place upon Jesus a crown of thorns and a purple robe. And then they would put a reed in his hands. And that's as we read, they would mock him. They would say, Hail, King of the Jews. I also believe that, as, as the Scripture tells us, that they would take that reed and they would beat his head as he had that crown of thorns. And when I was in Israel, I saw the thorns that that would have been used for his crown of thorns. We're not talking about any rosebush thorns. Those thorns were, were long thorns, and I can only imagine as that was made into a crown and beat into the brow of our Savior. And it was there, I also believe, that in Isaiah 50, verse 6, the Bible says, I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I believe that his beard was ripped from his face at this very point in time. I hid not my face from shame and spitting as the Roman soldiers would spit in his face. They would then take off that robe and place his own clothes upon him again to lead him away to Golgotha. We find next in the Roman crucifixion, not only was that victim there uh, tortured by various means, but next the victim carried his cross, the crossbar, to the place of crucifixion. It was there that Jesus was, was uh, made to take his cross and to bear his cross all the way to Golgotha. We find that uh, in this passage at some point in time, I, I don't know if he had fallen or if the Roman soldiers thought he was too weak, but yet they pulled somebody from the crowd, Simon, And they had him bear the cross before Jesus. And could I say, I don't know if it was something that Simon wanted to do. I don't know if it was something that was looked at as uh, what an opportunity. But as we look back and see what Jesus did for us, uh, Simon had had one of the greatest opportunities to bear the cross of Jesus. To be a part of, of what Jesus did for you and for me. What an honor, what a privilege that Simon had. The victim was then fastened, uh, according to tradition, by ropes or nails to the crossbeam. And and, uh, the scripture really doesn't say that Jesus specifically was nailed to the cross, but we can find proof that after Jesus' resurrection, we find in John chapter 20 and verse 27, as he's talking to Thomas and and he's doubting and not believing that Jesus was alive, he says to, to, to Thomas, he says, "'Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands.'" And reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. I can say that Jesus probably wasn't referring to rope burns on his wrist, but yet he was referring to the wounds that were made by the very nails that pierced his hands as he was nailed to the cross. The cross beam and the victim were then raised to the wooden poster tree and fastened to it. And then they would be crucified, forsaken there to hang until death. The cross was called the infamous stake, the criminal wood, the most evil cross. Cicero described crucifixion as the cruelest and most terrible punishment. Josephus called it the most pitiable of deaths. Ancients also considered crucifixion to be the ultimate shame. In crucifixion, everything was done to humiliate and dishonor the victim in addition to torturing him to death. And I come back to the words of the song we sang tonight, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my riches gain I count but loss and poor contempt on all my pride. Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast, save in the death of Christ my God, all the vain things that charm me most, I sacrifice them to His blood. See from his uh, His head, His hands, His feet, sorrow and love flowed mingled down, did ever such love and sorrow meet? Or thorns compose so rich a crown? And what is the songwriter's response to the examination of the cross as he's going through? And he's thinking about what our Savior went through. In verse number four, he says, Were the whole realm of nature mine, that were a present far too small. He says, hey, if I had this whole earth to give to God as a gift, it'd be still too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands, what is it demand?" My soul, my life, my all. And as I examine the cross tonight, and as we look at what Jesus went through for us on the cross, could I just say, my response to the examination to the cross is uh, four things, and, and I'd like to share them with uh, you tonight, and we'll be done. The Bible says uh, the Bible says here, um, let me find the, the reference in Acts 4.12, neither is there salvation in any, any other for there is none other name under heaven, where uh, uh, under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. I, I uh, stumbled through that one, but you know the verse. And so, number one, my response to the cross is, I must kneel at the cross. As a matter of fact, I must kneel at the cross because when I realize what Jesus went through for me, my only first decision is, hey, I'm I'm going to kneel for salvation. Oh, neither is there salvation in any other. Jesus is worthy and Jesus died on the cross and our first response when we see what he did for us is to kneel, to kneel at the cross. We must kneel at the cross for salvation, for surrender, surrendering surrendering your life. As the songwriter said, my life is yours for service, for sanctification. I'm glad that uh, this past week, 18 years, I trusted Christ as my savior 18 years ago. There's nothing greater than placing your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. There's a song I I love as it's sung, and maybe it's new to you. It's entitled The Cross. It says, To some it's just an emblem, a formality. It's a symbol that's been used so frequently. Many blaspheme and despise. Though it's ancient, it abides a shrine to death that stands for life to me. The chorus goes, There was a cross made for the Son of God at Calvary, two pieces of rough timber on a hill, through His hands and through His feet, He took the nails for you and me. Angels wash as He died for the lost. Though He could have walked away, He chose the cross. You see why this old emblem is so dear to me? It stood for suffering, yet it brought us peace. It bridged the gap for men, offered cleansing for our sin, an icon that reminds us that we're free. God forbid that I should ever let my memory fade, but forever keep the cross in view, for that's where I was saved. And I'm so glad that our first response ought to be, we ought to kneel at the cross. We ought to kneel at the cross. Number two, as Jesus encouraged his disciples in the Gospels, Luke 9.23 says, And he said to them all, And if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. And they added the word here, daily. Take up his cross daily and follow me. Luke 14, 27, and whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. So likewise, uh, in verse 33, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. You see, as we respond to the cross and we say, hey, I must kneel at the cross, but I also must take up the cross. You know what that means for you and for me? It's, it's a daily crucifixion. When we look at the cross, the cross is a symbol of crucifixion. The cross is a symbol of dying. And so, as Paul said in in the New Testament, I die daily. What should our decision be as a response for what Jesus did for us on the cross? Well, it's for us to die daily. What are we dying to? We're dying to our will. We're dying to what we selfishly want. And we're saying, God, I want to live my life for you. He goes on to say in the same passages that he who loses his li- uh, finds his life shall lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake shall find it. What does that mean? Does that mean that we have to die a martyr's death for him to find life? No, that doesn't necessarily mean that. But what it does mean is that if we choose to just let go of our life, say, Lord, my life is yours to control, guess what? We're going to find that life is so much worth living we're going to find the purpose that God put us here on this planet for, and that's to live for Christ. My response to the cross is, I must daily take up my cross. Would we, as a church, daily take up our cross and lift him up? Another definition for taking up is to lift up. Do we lift up the cross? Do we lift up uh, Jesus daily in our walk? First uh, Corinthians 15.31 was the, the passage there where the Apostle Paul said, I die Daily. Going on from kneeling at the cross and taking up the cross, could I say number three tonight? I must preach of the cross. Would you turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1? 1 Corinthians chapter 1 gives us uh, a, a wonderful, powerful scripture that we should all apply to our life. It doesn't matter if you're uh, preaching behind the pulpit or if you're living uh, life out in, in the public here. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 17, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it's the power of God. And so what are are we to do with our life? Well, we've got to kneel at the cross. You have to come to Jesus for salvation. You have to daily take up your cross and follow him. That's what Jesus said. If you want to be my disciple, you have to be willing to forsake all else and live your life solely for the Lord in every area. And then as we preach of the cross, it's amazing. We get a wonderful opportunity. What is preached? It means to publicly proclaim. It means to go ahead and just uh, testify of what Jesus has done for you. We get to lift up and proclaim, lift up our voices, what Jesus did for us. Did you know that you and I, we're walking billboards? The question is, what are we advertising? The Bible says, let our light so shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. The Bible says it's pretty clear to us what we ought to do with our life and it's letting our light shine. It's letting him be known. It's preaching of the cross. Are you preaching of the cross? I must preach of the cross. That's my response to the gospel. Ephesians uh, chapter two and verse 11, uh, the Bible says, wherefore remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision and the flesh made by hands that at the time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby and came and preached peace to you, which were afar off and to them that were nigh. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. What does that passage mean? That's our message that we get to preach. That is, that is what we get to experience, the unifying of the cross here. We had in, in, in Ephesians, the apostle Paul was trying to uh, tell the, the, the saved Jews and, and to uh, tell the saved Gentiles that, hey, there's no more division here. When Jesus died on the cross, he, he fulfilled the law. The law is now not applicable. Those ceremonial laws, we don't have to abide by. You don't have to, to make sure that, that all the Old Testament laws are, are, are kept. But we have something greater than the law. We have Jesus Christ who sacrificed himself for us, and that was the last sacrifice that was ever needed. And that by the cross, we are brought nigh by the blood of Christ. And I'm thankful that the cross unifies us. I'm thankful that we can partake what the Jews were only supposed to have and yet Gentiles can partake too because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. Colossians 1.20, and having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. Colossians 2.14, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. We have freedom in Christ and it's an amazing thing. That's our response. Let's preach about it. Let's tell others what Jesus did for us on the cross. My last point tonight and we will be done. Not only should we preach the cross, but I must glory in the cross. I must glory in the cross. I love this point. I saved best for last here, but would you uh, look with me uh, if, if you'd like to. Galatians six fourteen. the Bible says, but God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I into the world. The song, the chorus goes, in my life, Lord, be glorified, be glorified. In my life, Lord, be glorified today. Yeah. Oh, we can glorify in the cross. What, is that, uh, what does that mean, that word glory? Well, it simply means to exalt with joy, to rejoice, to boast. To be proud of, not of ourselves, but what Jesus, what God has done and is doing through us. We can rejoice and we can glory in the cross. Well, Brother Nathan, the the cross is a symbol of uh, of suffering and shame, and how in the world can we glory in such a a thing as that? And, And I say to that, well, Jesus, because He died on the cross, He brought victory to you and to me. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? That is all abolished because of what Jesus did for us. And so even though Jesus had to go through that, even though Jesus had to suffer the immense pain and something that we'll never have to experience because he took our place for us, we can glory in that. We can say glory and thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews 12, two, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, what did he do? He endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. I boast not of works nor tell of good deeds, for not have I done to merit His grace. All glory and praise shall rest upon Him so willing to die in my place. So I will glory in the cross, in the cross lest His suffering all be in vain, and I will weep no more for the cross that He bore. I will glory in the cross. As we close tonight, it's a simple message, nothing uh, uh, super profound or something you've never heard of, but I I wonder, what is our response to the cross? And if we're not careful, we'll become callous to it. But I hope tonight and and every day as, as we wake up and as we die daily, as we take up our cross and follow him, could we remember what Jesus did for you and for me on that cross? May our response be tonight. I'm gonna kneel at the cross. If you're here tonight and you're not saved, you've never trusted Christ as your savior, tonight's the night to do that. You've heard the gospel. You understand that, hey, we are not worthy. You know why Jesus had to die on the cross? He, the Bible says he became sin for us. And so if we were to believe in Jesus and, and, and accept him as our savior, the Bible says that he's preparing a home for us right now. There's eternal life waiting for those that accept that wonderful gift of salvation. Kneel at the cross for salvation, for service. Have you surrendered to Him your life? Are you living daily for the Lord? I must kneel at the cross. I must take up the cross. I must preach of the cross. And I will glory in the cross. What is your response tonight to the examination of the cross of our Savior? Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina